I'm just going to warn you in advance. Uh, every once in a while, it happens. Where, uh, well, you guys don't know. Like years ago, when I first started preaching, which is I started, I preached my first message when I was 13. I've been going ever since. And uh, through the years, my wife has these little signals when I start to talking too fast, when I get a little excited. She used to be like when we were traveling all over the country doing meetings in different churches. She just kind of go like this: hold in, slow it down a little bit. You just, just, just slow it down a little bit, and she'd just do this number as she was sitting in her seat. And uh, later on, someone asked me what that meant. I said, really nothing. Um, <laughs> just keep going. <laughs> but then, then a little while later, as we're, as we're, you know, as it came here, I'd be having my phone right here, just kind of watching the time frame. And Jake would start texting me, texting me messages. Dad, slow down. I'm like, what are you texting me during the message for? Because you're going way too fast. You think I'm going to respond to you during the message? No, but you're going to see it. <laughs> so, at any rate, it's kind of funny, but over the years. But anyway, I say all that to say this morning I'm going to be jumping around uh, to several passages, and uh, I've given the message to Matt, so at least you can follow along on the screen. If you lose track, you at least know where I'm at. And uh, I want to kind of just kind of do a different kind of a message this morning. And the title of the message this morning is A Simple Reminder in Times of Crisis. A Simple Reminder in Times of Crisis. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm just really sick to death and tired of the way things are. Anybody else just kind of tired of the way things are? I mean, things like this. Every time I get out of my car, I mean, every time, I'm either looking for or reaching for a mask. And every once in a while, you realize that, doggone it all. I'm halfway into the Wigman's. I'm out of the car, and I get almost to the Wigman's door, and I realize I don't have a mask. Does anyone else get really frustrated at that? It's almost as bad as not remembering to bring one of the 27 bags you got that, you know, not that you have to bring a bag in, too. Um, yeah, you're in a checkout lane, you realize you ain't got no bag. There it goes, I gotta go buy another one. They had to do the other 27. But you get halfway there, and you just like, you realize you don't have a mask, and then you go back to your car, and you realize that you took it in with you, and you, there's not a mask in your car either. Oh, it's frustrating, right? And I didn't even know this is a thing now. Fashionable masks. You know, get them with bling on them. You can get them to say this or get them to say that. And, you know, everyone's got a mask and you can get it to, you know, look what I, you know, you get. You, I, I, yesterday, I was watching a news article and it's talking about how you need to have color-coordinated masks. You know, if I'm going to be wearing this outfit, I need a, this color mask. And I'm like, really, that's a thing? It really is. Or every time I see someone, the thought comes to my mind, can I or can I not hug this person? Are they accepting of me giving them a hug, or are they one that are just going to push back and get upset with me if I accidentally hug them when they're not ready for it? Anybody else gone through that one? Greeting, however it is, whether it's a shaking hand, it's like, oh, shoot, should I have asked first? Ah, and I do it all the time. I mess up with that. Or every time I have a conversation with someone and it turns political or controversial, and I got to think to myself, okay, um, what side of the dime are they on? Are they for Trump against Trump? Are they for Biden against Biden? Are they for someone else or against someone else? I think it's probably better just not to go there, but the reality is it's going to happen, right? And how do you respond to it? And if I say this, they're going to be upset. And if I don't say this, they're going to be upset. And but the reality is, it's just going to keep coming. And it's 
It's, it's, it's frustrating. Or vaccines. I'm just telling you, everyone's got an opinion about a vaccine. Well, why wouldn't you? I've heard people say, well, why wouldn't you take it? And then on the other side, I ain't taking it. If you put a gun to my head, I'm not taking one. Division. Disunity. It's crazy right now, isn't it? Or uh, going to the doctor. Can't nobody go in with you. You're having surgery, but nobody can come in. Or you're going to give blood, but you got to, you know, go have all kinds of, uh, you know, phone calls and, and, you know, conversations before you get there. Or realizing that, uh, you know, the, all the checks. Is anyone at a new level of frustration with all this? I remember one day I went to the doctor's office and they said, you're going to have to, I, I was 10 minutes late. 10 minutes late. And they said, you're going to have to reschedule. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I said, I've never been to this doctor appointment, to a doctor appointment in this building in nine years where I was not sitting out in the foyer for 45 minutes, then getting to the room and said another 30 to 40 minutes. No. Well, I'm sorry, sir. You're 10 minutes late. You're going to have to reschedule. I ain't going back. (laughs) It's just my stubborn side. Because my time's valuable, too. Frustrated because you have to do it alone and you're anxious and you're maybe even fearful or afraid because you're by yourself. Nobody else is with you to encourage you as you're in that appointment. And maybe it's not so good news. Maybe it's just out, out bad news. But you're alone and nervous and afraid. But every time I listen to the radio or watch the news, I think, what's next? Will it ever end? Is there anything we can do? Is there anything I can do? Is there anything I should be doing? And I get frustrated because I don't even know the answer to that. Someone asked me a good question. They said, Pastor, what should we be doing right now that if we look back in six months, we should have, we should have been doing all along? I don't know that answer, but it's a good question. Because where is it all going? I don't know. Or how about this one? Every time somebody coughs around you, ooh, they got the Rona. <laughs> kind of slip away. <laughs> no, they just coughed. But in your mind, I even had, I've heard people around me say, man, I got a little bit of a cough today. I'm getting really scared that I might have it and I'm not just not be systemat- systemic of it or whatever that word is. Right? Everyone's afraid. It's all overwhelming. And some of us handle things a bit differently than others, or some of us, or even having a hard time processing all of it at all. Here's what I've noticed in the last couple months. Chronic stress, anxiety, fear of getting the virus, depression, insomnia, alcohol and substance abuse, loneliness and isolation have all significantly increased since the onset of this coronavirus pandemic. You say, well, that's other people. It doesn't really affect me that way. I think it probably affects you more than you're willing to admit. I was looking up some statistics this week. Disaster distress hotline. The calls coming in for all these areas, up 338% every month. 338% more phone calls to the disaster distress hotline. 
and that's in every state almost. It's not just New York. It's across the nation. Average is up 338%. Suicide attempts are up significantly. Uh, depending on which statistic you look at, some of them say they're up 30%. Some of them say they're up 120%, the attempted suicide rate, because of the coronavirus. There's a suicide crisis line called the Diddy Hirsch's Suicide Crisis Line. They said every month it's going up about 75 times more calls than the month before. People aren't sleeping. They're stressed. Their anxiety levels are through the roof. They're worried about what's going to happen physically, emotionally, financially. All of it. Can you imagine working one of the crisis hotline numbers and, and the, it's just not, it's nonstop. They just don't stop. So what does all this mean? How can we respond to what is taking place? Perhaps to what is the new norm of everything that we're seeing and experiencing. Maybe this is the new norm. And um, people keep asking me, Pastor, do you think it's going to get better? I have no idea. The joke is after November, it's going to get significantly better or it's going to get significantly worse, depending on who gets it. I don't know. I don't have an answer. But the reality is, I don't know. I don't think anyone knows. We say, well, they're, they're going back to work and they're going back to, to their jobs and they're going back to this and back to this and the, and the numbers aren't spiking. Oh, wait a minute. They are spiking. Oh, wait. No, that's just here, but not here. But then it's over here, but not over here. It's crazy. Some of us believe everything that is on the news, and some of us don't believe a thing we hear on the news. What's the truth? I guess we'll we'll know in heaven one day. So here's what I do believe, though. Here's what I personally believe. I really don't know if things are going to get better as far as the coronavirus, as far as politics and unity and I have no idea, but here's what I believe. I believe that the church is going to go through a purging in the next months. I really do believe that. I believe we're going to find out who are truly followers of Jesus Christ in the days ahead. I really do believe that. I don't think are going to, I don't think things are going to get easier for the church. Churches all across the country are already, even in more rampant fashion, closing their doors. When people don't have a job, they can't give like they normally would, and the finances of churches are low. I've got friends who are not able to pay their church's mortgage right now who are pastors. Five years ago, making their mortgage payments fine. And here they find themselves five years later with half their people out of jobs, making it very difficult to even make a minimum mortgage payment on their facilities. That's happening all over the country. Churches of 50, 60, and below are closing their doors all across the country. Things are going to get worse, I think, financially. That's just an opinion. I could be wrong. I pray I'm wrong. But one thing I do believe is that the church is going to see a purging of those who are really, truly his. And I, the church, I'm talking about us as individuals. I jokingly reposted a Facebook post that said the only chip that's going in me is one that has guacamole and salsa on it. 
I like chips, but ain't going to be one inside me. But I think you're going to see the day where more of this stuff is going to become prevalent. And you're going to have to take a stand. But meanwhile, how do we handle all this? Amidst all these trials and difficult situations, we are going to see who really is committed to following Jesus Christ. I really do believe that. And people keep talking about revelation and end times in the book of Second Timothy and First Timothy and what the latter days are going to look like. And we're seeing some of that, right? But in all fairness, we've been seeing this for hundreds of years. Every generation just has a different twist on it, but the root issues are the same. What if God does tarry another hundred years? I hope he doesn't. I got no death wishes, but I'm ready to go to heaven, right? So, but the reality is things might not get better. How are you going to handle that? So we're going to look at 18 texts of Scripture this morning. 18. And I'll fly through them. If I get going too fast, you can say pull it in, Pastor, or you can look at the references there on the TV. But I want to just remind us of some simple verses that we can cling to in times of crisis. Before we do that, let's just look to the Lord in prayer as we begin looking at these verses. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you once again for the opportunity to be drawn to your word in these difficult, trying times that we're living in. So, Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts through your word. Encourage us, give us peace through your word, that you are in control, God. You're a sovereign God who, Lord, you didn't wake up this morning, you didn't wake up six months ago and say, I didn't know this wasn't going to happen. Lord, you know all things. And, Lord, I pray that you give us the faith to trust you. And, Lord, increase our faith, Lord, in the days ahead, Lord, as we strive to live for you, Lord, and to stand strong in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, 18 verses, and I'll fly through them quickly, I promise. Number one, 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. When's the last time we got up in the morning and said, you know what, I don't care what happens today, I don't matter what's, what's going to take place, no matter what, I'm going to cast everything on Jesus Christ. No matter what happens, no matter who says what, no matter who believes what, no matter whatever is proclaimed, I'm going to take this day and give it to Jesus Christ. Why? Because He cares for me. I don't have to bear the burden alone. In fact, there's no way that I can bear all these burdens alone. And I'm reminded that every day I have to cast my cares upon Him because He's the one that cares for me. Number two, Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Why? Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Do you realize, I mean, have you just thought about that for a moment? No matter where you go, no matter what you do, that God is with you? We won't take the time to turn there, but in Psalm 139, it says also that no matter where I go, whether I go into heavens, whether I go into hell, into the deepest part of the sea, no matter where I go, no matter what I do, God is there with me. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says that all things are naked and open before God with whom we have to do. God is with me no matter what, no matter where I go, no matter what I say, no matter what I think, God is there with me. And he said, because of that, he says, be strong and of good courage. Um... I can remember as a little kid, okay, young kid, maybe I was never so much little. Um, I can remember being in grade school, and I can remember, you know, picking sides. You know, we had this big field behind our house. And let's just face it, some kids were cool, some kids were not cool, but sometimes the not-so-cool kids and sometimes the cool kids were picking on the ones that were opposite of them. 
And I can remember thinking there's a bunch of people there, but when I had my brother with me, who was older than me, and at that point bigger than me, I had no fears. Why? Because my big brother is with me, right? I had no fears. I mean, you're not going to pick on me with my big brother standing behind me. You're not going to tell me what to do with my big brother standing behind me. You're not going to boss me around as long as my brother's right beside me, right? Why? Because he was my protector. He was bigger than me. And he was right there beside me. And I had all the confidence in the world because I knew that they could not touch me. I was invincible. Let me just say, is it any different with the Lord? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world? He says... Cast, or have I command you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, don't be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The bottom line is, you have somebody there right beside you to go through whatever it is that you're facing with you. That ought to give us confidence, right? Number three, Psalm 55, 22. Cast your burden upon the Lord, and He shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. He gives us the confidence that we need to go through the circumstances that we're facing. And what is the burden that we face? I think it's different for all of us. For some of you, the burden is anxiety or fear or emotional struggles. For some of you, it might be financial. For some of you, it's just your job and the uncertainty of it and how many hours you're getting or not getting. Or some of you, it's maybe the fear of the coronavirus attacking someone you love or maybe you yourself. But whatever the burden is, he said, cast it upon the Lord, and he will what? Sustain you. I don't have to live in fear, and I'm just telling you. As I said this week, I'm not going to live in fear. I want to be careful. Uh, is anybody sick of hand sanitizer? I feel like my hands are in a constant state of being bleached. Everywhere you go, it's like now it's not, now it's not, it's, it's like it's unconsciousness. It's just like you don't even think about it. You walk in the store and there's a thing that you just kind of automatically stick your hand out every time you walk in. It's like it's not even a conscious decision anymore. You just do it, right? But your hands are like so sanitized that when we do get a real germ, it's going to kill us. It might be a common cold germ. I don't know, but no, I'm just kidding. But the reality is, he says he'll sustain us. Everywhere we go, he's with us. I don't have to live in fear. I'm not going to live in fear. I want to be careful. I'll sanitize. When I'm in a crowd, I'm going to wear a mask. But I'm not going to live in fear. I probably have just as much chance of getting in my car and running up to Wegmans and getting T-boned at the intersection and being killed as I do dying of the coronavirus. I don't know. But I'm not going to live in fear. I know that my God is able. I know that my God will sustain me. I know that he'll, he's going to protect me. And if it's my time, it's my time. That's what I believe. I'm not going to be foolish. I'm not going to walk out in the middle of a car in, on a highway just, just because it, you know, God's there. I'm going to be careful. But I'm not going to live in fear. So he says he'll sustain us. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. Where is your hope this morning? Is it in the doctors and what they say? Is it in the government and what they're going to tell us? Or is it in Jesus Christ? He says, over, oh, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. I am blessed of God for simply trusting Him. 
whose hope is in the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. There might be a drought going on, but the roots are deep. There may not be water in the, in the atmosphere, but there's water down there. The roots are strong. I hope that you have faith in Jesus Christ. Faith has its roots, roots deeply seated in God. And when the struggles come, and when the heat comes, when the difficult times come, you'll be okay. You'll be okay. Because God is in control. Matthew 6.25 Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about the body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? He says, do not worry about your life. Worry will destroy a person. There are so many people that worry about the what ifs more than the what is. And worrying about the what ifs may never happen, but you'll lose sleep. And it will control your mind and your thinking, worrying about what could happen. How about thanking God for what is, not worrying about what might be? So he says, don't worry about your life. How about Romans 8.28? And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Do we really believe that? Do we believe that everything's going to work out for good? You say, well, what good is going to come from all this? I don't have all the answers, but I know who does. And I don't have to worry about it because the reality is in verse 29, it says, for whom he did for no, he did also predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So through the struggles that we're facing, when we trust God enough with those struggles that he's using them for our good, he's going to make us more like his son, Jesus Christ. I don't have to worry about that. All things are going to work together for good. Because I trust God that he's in control. I trust that he knows what's best. He's not going to allow anything to happen to me outside of his perfect will. So therefore, I'm going to trust him. All the more, knowing that he's going to make me more like himself through it. Philippians 4.19 And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Just take that one phrase. My God shall supply all your need. Is that really true? Yes, it is. You remember when all this first happened back in March? Couldn't find toilet paper. <laughs> couldn't find paper towels. Got to a point where you couldn't find table napkins for a while there. You can surmise what people are doing with all the other things. The reality is everything was getting scarce. Then you go to the canned goods and it's like limit two cans. Really? And now we're seeing a, sh a change short. I mean, since when does changes disappear? I mean, I, I, I still can't fathom this one. I told my wife, I said, hey, when you go to the store, grab a couple extra cans. It's not going to go bad. Use it. Be prepared. But my dependency is not on what I can stock up on. My dependency is not on how much meat I have in the freezer or don't have in the freezer. My dependency is not in how many cans of goods I got and vegetables I got in the pantry. The reality is, either God is true to his word, or he's not. Amen? Either he's faithful and honest, or he's a liar. Which is it? I found him to be faithful and true. 
He's going to take care of us. Is it always in the way that I want? No. Is it in the way that I would choose? Nope. But I know that He is faithful. And He's never let me down. So He says, My God shall supply all your need. Sometimes we worry because what we really want is not not so much a need, but a want. How about Hebrews 13, 5 and 6? Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what men can do to me. Once again, he makes it crystal clear that we don't have to fear because he's not going to forsake us. He is with us. No matter where we go, no matter what we do, no matter what we're experiencing, he is with us. Psalm 4610 is one of my favorite psalms in all the Bible. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. Think about that just for a moment. Our minds are racing. We might not be going anywhere. We might be held up at home more now than ever before. But what's going on in our minds? Are they not racing? You're worried about this, worried about that, thinking about this, thinking about that. And our minds are going 900 mile an hour like a pinball machine just ricocheting all over the place with thoughts and ideas. I'm one of those guys that I can be really tired and all of a sudden I lay down and it's like my mind starts. And it's like you can't shut it off sometimes. Which is why I have little notebooks around me all the time. I always, it seems to help me to be able to write some things down and then I can kind of slow it down a little bit. So I have these little journals and I write things down, take notes and this and that. But what does it mean to just be still? Oftentimes as you're reading through the book of Psalms, you'll come across this word after a statement, after a verse, you'll say selah. That word selah simply means to stop and to think about it. Just stop and think about it. That's what it means to be still, just to stop. And I know sometimes for me, the only way to stop my mind from racing is just to start praying. I think sometimes, what if I did get the coronavirus? I'm considered one of the susceptible ones. I got issues with my liver. I'm diabetic for 30 years and this, that, and the other thing. is like you're in that category that you're really susceptible. What if I did? And then I start thinking about how would my wife be taken care of? Who will be there for my kids? Who will be there when they say, Dad, what about? And your mind begins to start wondering, right? And the only way for me sometimes to shut those things off is to stop, to practice Psalm 4610. Is simply, Lord, I'm going to trust you to take care of all these things. And in my mind, I can sing every song I know of over and over again. And it gets my mind off the circumstance in those Peter moments where you're looking at the wave rather than looking at Jesus. And it just takes me back to the place that God is in control. He's with me. 
I need that reminder. I need that now more than ever. How about Psalm 91, 1 and 2? He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. You know what that tells me? That there is a benefit to drawing close to God. The benefit is that He is going to protect me. But the protection only comes as I what? Abide in Him. The protection only comes as I focus on Him. As I put my trust in Him. As I draw close to Him daily. And spend time in prayer. Psalm 56, 3 and 4. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? The psalmist is very clear. He goes, what can person do to me? Nothing. It's like when people say, well, Jesus' life was taken from him. No. Christ's life was not taken from him. He gave it. Right? We understand that, right? Man can't take something from me that's already been given to God. Right? I've said many times, someone steals my wallet, I guess they need it far worse than I do. They'll have to deal with God about it. Someone steals my car, I guess they need it far worse than I do. They'll have to deal with God because it's His. If somebody takes something of mine that I have purchased with God's money and they do something to it, they have to deal with God because it's already His. So if you want to deal with God, go ahead and mess it up. That's truth. People are asking about my truck. What are you going to do? I don't know. Ask God. It's His. Now, don't get me wrong. There was a moment of frustration. A big moment of frustration. 12800 to fix a injector pump. Really? That's another vehicle. After the initial frustration, I say, it's God's. He can do with it what he wants. Someone said, well, you shouldn't pay your monthly payment. Well, why would I not pay my payment on it? It's not the bank's fault. It happened. That's God's. And the money I pay every month for that truck, it's God's. Do we not? Do we get that? Everything we have has been given to us by God, and it's His. As I remind all of us every so often, I wonder what I should do with my money. I wonder what God wants me to do with His money. I wonder what God would have me to do with His money. It's His. Everything we have is His. So, (laughs) I will not fear what man can do to me. I already belong to God. Isaiah 41.10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And here's the thing. We can either take God at his word or say, no, that's not true. It's our choice. He says, I don't have to fear. In fact, the word fear not... It almost presupposes that you're living in fear. Stop doing that. Fear not. Don't fear. Don't be afraid. 
says, I'm with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I'll help you. I will uphold you. Those three phrases are awesome. I'll strengthen you. I'll help you. And I'll uphold you. It means I'm going to prop you up. I'm going to stand you up. And I'm going to help you stand. You know what that tells me? I don't have to do it in my own strength. Because in my own strength, I will fall. In my own strength, I will fail. In my own strength, I cannot move and go forward. And it's a daily reminder of how much we are dependent on God. Mark 5.36 As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogues, Do not be afraid, only believe. And if we were standing there in the presence of Jesus today, he'd say, don't be afraid. Just believe. Romans fifteen thirteen. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope. The God of hope is going to give you hope. Isn't that cool? This is not as good as it gets. If you've got everything that this has, that this world has to offer and don't have Jesus Christ, you have nothing. And if you do have Jesus Christ and you have everything that this world has to offer, this is still nothing compared to what we're going to see in heaven one day. Nothing. The, the best of earth cannot compare to the least of heaven, as you've heard it said. The God of hope is going to give us hope. A couple more. Proverbs 16.3. How do we deal with all this then? Here's the answer. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. You want your thoughts to be under control? Commit your day to the Lord. Period. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 talks about that as well. But commit your work to the Lord. Commit your daily doings to the Lord. And your thoughts will be established. You want your mind to go amok? You want your mind to race on other things that don't matter? Then stay away from God and His Word. But when you commit your life, your work, your, your daily being to God, He says your thoughts will be established. Isaiah 26.3 You will keep Him in perfect peace, whose mind who stays, stayed on thee because He trusts in thee. The reality is this. He says, I'm not just get you through it. I'm not just help you survive it. He said, I will give you perfect peace when your mind is stayed on me. That's what it takes. John 14, 1, two more verses. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe on God, believe also in me. He says, don't worry about anything. And this, this particular verse has a really interesting word picture that's associated with it in, in, the, in the Greek New Testament. When he says, let not your heart be troubled, there is a picture of two things, really, that's connotated in the Greek language. First one is a big disc going through a farm field. And you know how it is after the end of the season or after at the beginning of a new season when you're discing the field and it's like rocky and it's busting up and it's going back and forth and it's breaking up that ground? That's the picture here. Don't let it be like you're forcing a disc through untilled ground. Why? Because that's rough. 
and it's hard. The other picture that's associated with this is the story of Peter walking on the water. The waves are just blowing up, and they're wide, and they're huge, and they're tall, and they're overwhelming. It's a picture of life. Don't let your life be as if it were out of control and difficult and hard. That's the word pictures that are associated with this word troubled. It says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. Then he goes on to tell us about my father's house. He's saying, what I'm saying is true. If you believe in me, I'll take care of you. And then Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for the real big stuff. Be anxious for the really hard stuff. Be anxious for the things that you can't control. Be anxious for the things that people do to you, right? Is that what it says? It says be anxious for nothing. And here's the answer. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So you want to have some peace during times of crisis? These are some simple reminders straight from God's word of how we should be dealing with this stuff. Realizing that God is with us. He's everywhere we can go. He's promised to uphold us and to stand us up and to strengthen us. So here's two things to consider about all these verses. Number one, they ought to be received and believed by every follower of Jesus Christ. If you truly know Jesus Christ, you ought to be receiving and believing these verses. These verses are real. These verses are straight from God's Word. So the reality is, if I'm truly a follower, I should be upholding myself through these verses. But it's so easy to get distracted, isn't it? Halfway into Wegmans, realizing you ain't got a bag. And then you realize you ain't got a mask. Oops, it doesn't match either. Too bad. Distractions. Frustrations. Number two, if you're not a follower of Christ, these verses may not have much of an impact on you until you become a follower of Christ. You see, until I'm a truly a follower of Christ, these verses don't mean a whole lot. So you say, but can I can attest to you that because I know Jesus Christ, I can attest that they're true. I can attest that God is real, that he does give peace, that he does calm the storms. But you'll never know that until you truly put your faith and trust in him. All I know is that I believe God's word. I believe that what he says is so. And if you believe that, These verses are for you as well, if you know him. Here's what I also know. If you're struggling, if you've got anxiety levels that are through the roof, if you're just frustrated with everything that's taking place around you, talk. Call me. You're contemplating suicide, contemplating doing something stupid, call me. I don't care what time it is. If you're contemplating not knowing how to deal with life, 
talk to someone. Most importantly, talk to God. He's there. I have found it to be true in my life that every time I'm struggling with something, as I turn to God, He's there. He calms the storm. And you don't want to go through life without Him. You don't. Not when you can have His peace. Not when you can have His strength. Pray. Claim these verses. And don't try to get through it alone. Say, well, I'm a Christian, right? Christians aren't void of struggle. Anybody realize that yet? Christians struggle too. We just have somebody to go through it with us. We have not only God, but we have each other. And if you can't come to church and find peace here, something's messed up. This is not a place to fight about politics. This is not a place to fight about vaccines or masks or whatever else is going on in the world. This is a place to come for strength and peace and unity and encouragement and exhortation. Let's leave all the other junk out. Let's lift each other up. Let's encourage one another, right? We need that. Does anyone not need that? I need that. So let's make it about God and finding strength for everything that we're facing through His Word. And by doing that, we'll see God work and do what only God can do, right? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to look at your word, to be encouraged by your word. Lord, I just pray that you'd help every one of us in this room this morning, Lord, to be able to apply these things, Lord. Lord, that we would truly just be able to say that my focus, my trust, my dependency, Lord, is on you. And I pray, God, that you would help us amidst the struggles, amidst the frustrations, amidst the difficult moments, Lord, to truly know that you're there with us. And I pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, I know that in the room this side, there are those that are struggling. There are those who are facing difficult moments and circumstances, Lord. And I pray, God, that you'd draw near to them. Lord, I pray that you work in all of our hearts, starting with mine. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, just ask for a moment that no one be looking around, that we just take a moment and and pray and ask God to, to work in our own hearts. But just for a moment, you say, Pastor, I'm one of them that are struggling. I'm one that's just worried about this and that. I'm one where the anxiousness is at a new high. And I'm just reminded how much I need Jesus, how much I need to draw close to him how much I need to trust him and his word and what he says. I'm struggling. Would you pray for me? Anyone like that this morning? Yes. In the front, in the middle, in the back, the sides. Yes, all over. I think that just reminds all of us how frail we are at times. These things that we're going through remind us how much we need to be focused on God, how much our dependency must be on him how much we should be praying for one another and taking all of our struggles to the Lord in prayer. Anyone else say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm struggling. I'm reminded I need to just draw closer to Him. I need to find my my comfort, my confidence in God and His Word. Anyone else say, Pastor, pray for me. Yes, in the back, in the side. Can I just encourage every one of you, 
90% of you in this room raised your hand. That tells me we're all going through that kind of a struggle. Many of us are just facing difficulties that we didn't plan on. We're facing circumstances that we wouldn't pick, we wouldn't choose. No one chooses to go through a pandemic. Nobody chooses to have to put a mask on every day. Nobody chooses to be in this emotional roller coaster. But it's here. It's a reminder that we need to be focused on God. It's a reminder that we need to find our strength in Him and Him alone. Can I challenge every one of us who raised our hand, our heart towards God, to simply take a moment and just surrender everything to Him, casting all of our care upon Him because He cares for us. Just take a moment and say, Lord, I give you my fear. Lord, I give you my anxiety. God, I give you my difficult circumstances, my my job, my finances, my health, my everything. God, I give it to you. Lord God, I just thank you for each one who raised their hand, their heart towards you this morning. Lord, we're all in this together. But Lord, it's a reminder that at this stage of our world that we're living in, Lord, we can't do this apart from you we cannot live without you in our lives lord i pray that you help everyone who's raised their hand their heart towards you lord be with me god that we can focus on your word find our strength in you lord that you would increase our faith and our trust and our ability to list completely rely on you amidst the struggle lord 18 verses lord there could have been another 18 another 36 But, Lord, just these handful of verses just remind us that you are there for us, that our strength is in you. Lord, might we rely on your word as the truth that will guide us, direct us during these uncertain times. So, Lord, would you work in our hearts, draw us closer to you, and we'll praise you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray.